Welcome to the Servants of Grace podcast hosted by Dave Jenkins. Our podcast exists to provide trustworthy expository messages through the Bible and faithful answers to your theology questions. Now for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. Welcome back to the Servants of Grace theology segment. On today's episode, one of our listeners writes in, they have a great question today, and the question is this, what does it mean that my thoughts are not your thoughts from Isaiah 55, 8? Well, Isaiah 55, verse 8 says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Now, Isaiah 55, uh, verse 8 is situated in the context of Isaiah 54, 55 through 13 a section of Isaiah where he focuses on how the everlasting love of God will heal the people of God's sorrow by the grace of God. Now let's talk about what this verse means. The infinite thoughts of the Lord are beyond humanity's ability to comprehend. The Lord's thoughts and ways do not make sense to man, but mankind can rest in the knowledge that he is good because everything that the Lord does is good. The human heart is filled with questions about the Lord. And when a man wrestles with questions about the goodness of God or even the justice of God, we're wrestling with these issues because a human heart was created by God and for God, who places eternity on man's hearts. Now, the key to wrestling with questions we may not know the answer to is found in Psalm 131, 1-2. For example, when a toddler may not understand why his father or mother tells them not to do certain things while telling others to do the same, the toddler loves his parents, and his parents love the toddler, and so they trust his father and mother. This is the very attitude every Christian must have, whether there are hard times or even good times, because his ways are beyond our comprehension. And the Lord left humanity a clue about how to handle all of this in Isaiah 55, verse 8, with the word higher. You see, the Lord's ways are not merely different from ours. They are higher. They're better. They're superior. They exist on a grander scale. And so, after all, the Lord parted the Red Sea because this was his plan for Israel. The Lord made the sun stand still so Joshua's army could defeat their enemies. The Lord sent an angel to get Peter out of jail while allowing James to be executed. The Lord had permitted faithful servants to suffer terrible fates and could even have delivered them if if that was his sovereign plan. And the key to making sense of these events is to understand that the Lord wants man to come to his word, trusting that he is sovereign and learn from and about his revealed character. And from our earthly perspective, we see chaos and even confusion seemingly to reign supreme. And yet from heaven, the Lord reigns. In Isaiah 46, 9 through 11, the Lord picks up this, focusing on his sovereign plan to use the Persian king Cyrus. We might even not, may not even know why the Lord needs a bird from the east, nor, nor why he would use a man like Cyrus. Those who trust in the Lord can rest confidently that the Lord is at work. The Lord's higher ways means that everything happens in the province of God and is woven into the fabric of his perfect plan for those who love him. The Lord's ways are higher than ours. And so we may, while we may not see everything, we may only see a small portion of what he is doing at a given time. He sees the beginning from the end. You see, whenever bad or even good things happen in our lives, the Lord is in control. The Lord's priorities are his glory and the expansion of his kingdom. And so when the glory of God and the kingdom of God are the priority of the people of God, they learn to rejoice that the ways of the Lord are higher than our ways. 
In Isaiah 55, the Lord cries out for Israel to return to him and reminds them that he alone can supply what they need. The Lord, like a loving parent, loves and guides and protects and even provides for the people of God in the ways that people may not even understand. As an infinite being with infinite wisdom, the Lord knows all things. And so when the people of God bow to the knowledge of God revealed in Scripture, rather than demand that he is doing things uh, his own way, in their own way even, they recognize his greatness and their place before him. Now the Lord promises in Romans 8.28 that all things work together for the good of those who love him. And the Lord sees the whole picture from the beginning to the end, but we only see a portion And so we must trust the revealed character of God. Amidst the sorrows and the pains of life, the Lord intends to use the difficulties of life to help the people of God grow in the Lord Jesus. The Lord comforts the people of God in their troubles so they can trust Him and comfort others as they go through difficult times. And while we may not understand what's happening in our lives during challenging times, the Lord does. As we trust Him in those times, He will direct our paths, guiding Christians to grow in Christ. The Lord is infinite, which means we're finite. Knowing our limitations is important, along with the fact we don't know everything. All this means that Christians should desire only the will of the Lord in every circumstance. When we rightly understand and embrace divine sovereignty becomes very comforting. Understanding the frailties and the finite nature of man should motivate the people of God to trust the purposes of God. He is perfect in knowledge, love, and power in every situation of our lives. And Christians should find rest in texts like Proverbs 19.21 and find confirmation that, that we may make many and varied plans, but these plans come to fruition in the sovereign timing of the Lord. The Lord always acts and accomplishes all He intends for the people of God. Our thoughts are not His thoughts and our ways are not His ways. The Lord will always accomplish His purposes, the ultimate goal of which is for His people to grow in Christ. And when things appear to be at their darkest, Every Christian can trust the Lord is working all things for their good and rest in the knowledge of his revealed character in Scripture. You see, the Lord communicates through the Word of God. It is through Scripture that the people of God are sanctified. Scripture is a light for the path of the people of God. The Lord also uses our circumstances to grow us and godly mentors to provide biblical counsel to Christians. Additionally, the Lord uses the means of grace, such as prayer, the study of his Word, the local church, to help the people of God grow in the grace of God. In James 1.5, Christians are taught to pray for wisdom. God has made known his revealed character. And so praying scripture means that we take the word of God and pray it back to him. Praying the word helps the people of God to apply the word of God to their lives. And if you want to hear God speak, open the Bible. But if you want to hear him speak audibly, open the Bible and read it out loud. Scripture is how people learn about the revealed character of God and how he has acted in history. While the people of God speak to God in prayer from the Word, the Lord speaks to His people through the Word. Every Christian must read Scripture to know the ways of the Lord and to grow in His grace. Every conviction, feeling, or even thought must be tested with Scripture. If it's not in the Bible, it must be rejected. You see, the Holy Spirit is God with emotions, a mind, and a will. The Holy Spirit always uh, is always with the people of God, and His purposes include interceding for them and giving gifts to to them to benefit the church. The Holy Spirit fills the people of God and produces fruits in the lives of the people of God. And so the Holy Spirit will never lead the people of God to satisfy the desires of the flesh, but always lead them towards sanctification. 
Every Christian should be diligent in studying Scripture, for this is how the Lord has revealed himself. And the Holy Spirit will not lead the people of God beyond Scripture, but into the truth of Scripture. See, every Christian needs guidance from godly Christian family members, friends, or even pastors. Our pastors are to shepherd us in the truth of God's Word and in the grace of God, and they will give an account for how well they have done this to the Lord. And while seeking Uh, guidance from others is good, we need to open our Bibles and to study it. And the more we study Scripture, the less we have to worry about falling prey to false teaching. Others speak, but when we are saturated in Scripture and studying it, we can be confident that the Lord will help us to grow in grace. John 10.4 tells us that the Lord is a good shepherd and that his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Every sinner must acknowledge their need of Christ and come into humility to him. And as we do, we recognize we come to Christ in need of Him as beggars in need of the salvation He alone can offer to us. Only then will we come understanding we lack merit and the inability to save ourselves. Then the Lord provides grace and mercy to sinners, and they accept it in humble gratitude and commit their lives in, in service to Him. And next, we die to ourselves, and we live as new creations in Christ, never forgetting that He exchanged our worthlessness for his infinite worth, our sin for his righteousness. The life Paul describes in Galatians 2.20 is the one of faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. This is true and biblical humility, and the perfect example of it is in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. See, biblical humility is necessary for salvation and usefulness in the kingdom of God. The Lord Jesus came not to be served, but to serve, and the people of God should commit themselves to serving the Lord. Jesus humbled himself as a servant, even to death on the cross. And in his humility, the Lord was always obedient to the Father. The humble Christian should always be willing to set aside selfishness and submit in obedience to the Lord. True humility produces contentment, godliness, and security in Christ. The Lord has promised to give grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. Every Christian must confess and put away pride, for if we exalt ourselves, we place ourselves in opposition to the Lord. And in His grace and for our good, the Lord humbles uh, uh, us, uh, prideful Christians. And when we humble ourselves, the Lord gives grace uh, to Christians, more grace, and exalts them. Along with the Lord Jesus, Paul is an example of following Jesus in humility. Despite great gifts and biblical knowledge, Paul says of himself, according to 1 Timothy 1.15 and 1 Corinthians 15.9, that he is the least of all the apostles and the chief of sinners. The truly humble like Paul glory in the grace of God and not in self-righteousness. Well, I want to thank you for listening or even watching this episode of the Servants of Grace Theology segment. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening to the Servants of Grace podcast today. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, leave a rating on the app, and share our episode with your friends and family. If you'd like to, you can follow us on Instagram at Servants of Grace, on Twitter at Servants of Grace, or by searching Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this podcast on the front page of our website at servantsofgrace.org.